It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, live from the Orleans Arena. That's where I'm hanging out today. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get you ready for two games this weekend on home ice for the Silver Knights against the San Diego Gulls. Hello, friends. Great to have you with us. And uh, for the Henderson Silver Knights, it was a long six-game road trip. They got back from it, or at least they got back uh, to home hockey last night against the Ontario Reign, a game that did not work out in the Silver Knights' favor, a 4-1 victory for the Reign, which kind of just continues the trend of what Ontario has been able to do this season against the Silver Knights and, and most other teams uh, in the Western Conferences. With that victory, the uh, Ontario Reign moved even in the standings with the Stockton Heat in terms of points. Stockton maintains the top spot in the Pacific as they have two games in hand on Ontario. But uh, the Reign continue to win. They've now in five meetings with the Silver Knights. They've scored four goals last night. In three of the other meetings, they scored five. So it's a team that puts up lots of offense. We're uh, going to discuss last night a little bit. We'll also look ahead to this weekend against San Diego where two former Silver Knights will be making their return to Vegas as uh, Danny O'Regan and Lucas Elvinas. Danny O'Regan, who was uh, a scoring leader for the Silver Knights last season, Lucas Elvinas, who was a member of the Silver Knights uh, as recently as January of this season before he uh, and the organization uh, decided to part ways. And since then, he's been with the uh, San Diego Gulls and, and playing at a slightly better pace. I, was, or I shouldn't say playing better. His point production at a slightly better pace than what was trending towards this season in Henderson. So uh, two familiar names uh, coming in with a San Diego team that is, has struggled mightily this season, uh, including of late where they've won just three of their last ten. So we'll break down uh, what's to come and for the Silver Knights the importance of these uh, final two home games of this brief homestand before they head out on another lengthy six-game road trip that's going to take them into the middle of March. Uh, we're going to have in our next segment the Vegas Golden Knights Vice President of Communications and Content, Mr. Nate Yule, uh, in his first season with the organization. Talk a little bit about the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, which is very, very uh, rapidly approaching the opening day of the Dollar Loan Center, which will include, uh, well, actually the opening day of activities is going to be uh, an event for the city of Henderson, which we can get some more details on. But, of course, the first sporting event at the DLC is going to be the Big West Basketball Championships. The Silver Knights will hit the ice at the DLC for the first time on April the 2nd. And uh, that's going to be a whirlwind uh, window, too. As you look at this Silver Knights schedule that remains, again, we've got 26 games left on the calendar, if I am not mistaken. Uh, and, of course, I'm not. I'm rarely mistaken. 26 games left for the Silver Knights. Five more games at the Orleans Arena where I'm hanging out this afternoon. Um, but if you look at how the games are, are bunched and spaced together, now, of course, 26 games between now and April 30th. It's not going to come at an overwhelming clip of something every other day. There, there are some stretches in there for rest. Um, but the way some of these games pile up, isn't the most advantageous. So we've got two games this weekend, and then next week, next Friday and Saturday, two games in Ontario. That's a bus trip for the Silver Knights. That's not so challenging. But then they'll go to Iowa. They'll fly from Iowa directly to San Diego. That puts us to 
uh, March 16th, the first game in San Diego of that uh, road trip. Then March 18th in San Diego, so two games on either side of St. Patrick's Day. And then after the March 18th game in San Diego, the Gulls and Silver Knights will both bust through the night and play here at the Orleans on March the 19th. So from the 12th to the 19th, the Silver Knights will have one, two, three, four, five games. And, uh, well, let's go further than that, actually. Let's, let's encompass the whole thing. So March 12th, they're in Iowa. By March 22nd, that's the following Tuesday, so the 12th to the 22nd, that 10-day stretch, you have two games in Iowa, flight to San Diego, two games in San Diego. 18th to the 19th, they bus overnight. They play the very next day here at the Orleans. Then they get a day off. Then they go back to San Diego again on the 22nd, and the Silver Knights and Gulls play once more. So it's going to be four consecutive games between the Silver Knights and the San Diego Gulls with an overnight bus ride mixed in in between. That's not going to be an easy stretch for, well, for either team, really, but for the Silver Knights, that, that's tough traveling. And then uh, after that, they have two at home against Tucson, and then they play Bakersfield three times in four nights before coming back to the Dollar Loan Center to open their schedule in their new building in which they'll play 10 of their final 12 games on home ice. That's going to be an advantageous stretch for the Silver Knights, particularly when you consider that they might be battling for playoff seating at that point. Um, but the, the, the schedule between now and the opening at the DLC, really challenging. A lot of hockey, a staggered schedules, some back-to-backs and overnights, uh, and some tough teams on the schedule there as well. So all of that is to say that when the Silver Knights do get to DLC, they'll be happy to be there. But it's going to be interesting to see how well they do during the month before then if the Silver Knights are making a push or if they're trying to make up for lost ground. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, what position the Silver Knights find themselves in. Uh, so, Nate, you will be able to give us a little bit of a lowdown on the, the building, the uh, upcoming calendar for the Dollar Loan Center, and, of course, what fans can look forward to because Nate Ewell's been spending a lot of time at the Dollar Loan Center over the last couple of weeks trying to get everything aligned for that first event. So let's take a look. Uh, at last night for the Silver Knights. And, and again, it was a, a loss that was interesting to look back and assess. You know, I think for fans, by the way, anyone who wants to uh, opine on these topics, you can always tweet the show at Brian J. McCormick, at Brian J. M C C O R M A C K. If you go back and look at last night's game, and we talked about this a little bit on the air. Sometimes when you assess a game, you, you're either very, very high or very, very low. Loved this, had our, you know, created chances, uh, lines were rolling, played well. No one could get out of their own way. We couldn't connect two passes. Goaltending struggled. We played terribly. Sometimes you can just have a, a sweeping declaration about games one way or another. Now, usually it's not that clean. It's not all that common that you'll say, you know, we did some good things, but... It, it wasn't it, it was clear from the get-go that it wasn't necessarily going to be enough and that's that's kind of how it felt for the silver Knights last night uh, right off the opening face off 15 seconds in they get two golden scoring opportunities a breakaway for Jake decision that doesn't go and then Pavel Dorofiev rang one off the post it went behind Matt uh, Valalta along the goal line and out the other side you know 15 seconds in those are the opportunities you had you're gonna feel pretty good about it you're gonna be pretty content. Uh, that that you're you're moving in the right direction, but for the Silver Knights, after that first five minutes, the game settled, and 
while that's when when you look at how the Silver Knights probably approach that game, you you don't want to put yourself in a position of it being a track meet because this Ontario team averages four goals a game. They against you, they've scored five goals three times. You know what they can do when the game opens up. So you didn't want it to be a track meet. You wanted to keep it limited. You wanted to keep it measured. You wanted to keep it. Phase by phase, step by step, chance by chance. You didn't want any deluge of offense in any one direction. And the Silver Knights did that well. I think I think if you look at how they wanted to structure the game defensively, they defended very well and they kept the, the rain limited. The problem is, is it's almost like a prevent defense in football. If you're gonna take away the home run pass, that's good. But if they're dinking and dunking and moving the chains, eventually they're gonna get you anyway. And that's kind of what happened for the Silver Knights in the, in the fact that they were able, able to mount any consistent, overwhelming offensive zone presence of their own. When the rain were in, on, were in Henderson Ice, again, it wasn't a, a shooting gallery. It wasn't a blitz. It was, it, was, it was maintained. It was maintained. But they had the puck more often than they did not. And eventually... It's going to get through, and especially the factor that can swing that that uh, methodology is going to be the power play for Ontario, which is also the best in the American Hockey League. So, at five on five, the Silver Knights were were consistently positional and responsible, but eventually they're going to find the cracks, and that's where, as well as they played, and they limited Ontario to twenty three shots. Again, that's what you want, but they give up goals to Jared Anderson, Dolan, Martin Furk. Tyler Madden, TJ Tynan had, had an empty netter at the end. If we're going into the game and saying, hey, who are the guys who you can't let hurt you? Those are kind of the big names you'd come up with. And they didn't. They really did keep them in check. But the point is, is those players still found a way anyway. So, you know, the assessment you come away with when we've seen Ontario five times now, we've got a pretty good sample size of, of what they are. Uh, not to mention the fact that they're playing up similar numbers against everybody else in the American Hockey League. This is an offensively talented team. You're not going to just shut them down. You need to, at some point, you know, you won't stop them. How can you contain them? Silver Knights contained them well. And again, take, take the empty net goal off the board just for, for argument's sake. That's a 3-1 hockey game in the third period. Not a bad place to be. But while the Ontario Reign aren't a team you want to get into a track meet with, you do need to outscore them, which means you're going to have to create enough opportunity, enough time in the offensive zone to have a couple of deflections and caroms and lucky bounces of your own. And that was something that the Silver Knights, just for, for last night's sake, never really got going consistently. Again, they had the breakaway in the beginning for Jake LeCision. There was another breakaway opportunity for Paul Cotter, shorthanded that uh, that he wasn't able to finish. And a, an opportunity for Sven Berchi, where Matt Vallalta actually left the puck just to the side of the trapezoid. He inadvertently stick-handled it into an area where he couldn't touch it anymore. Berchi took it basically off his stick blade and put it right across the goal line uh, along the goal line and out the other side. So th there were opportunities. Uh, the rain cashed in on theirs. The Silver Knights couldn't, uh, aside from the Pavel Dorofiev goal, uh, and, and really I don't think generated the, the volume, despite they had 32 shots on goal, the, the volume of grade-A opportunities that were going to hold Ontario's feet to the fire. So for last night against a, an explosive high-flying team, the Silver Knights played well, defended well, but it's a team that has more offensive firepower right now than the Silver Knights have been showing. And eventually, 
a team like that's going to be able to dink and dunk their way to a win. That's what Ontario did. It was a 4-1 final after the game. We did catch up with head coach Manny Viveros. Here are some of his thoughts. With head coach Manny Viveros, uh, coach, we talked this morning about what a, a high-powered offense this Ontario team was. Did you like the way you guys defended it? Did you largely keep them in check for much of the game? I thought so for the most part. Again, I'm going to have to go over the game film later on uh, uh, this evening. Um, but, you know, I, first period, you know, I thought we uh, had some really good looks in the very beginning of the game there, some uh, really good chances. Um, you know, for the most part, five on five, I thought we, you know, kept at bay. We knew we were going to have to defend against these guys. They they, they always had to seem a lot of ozone time, and uh, I thought we did a really good job with it. And But we kind of figured tonight would come down to special teams too. So had some looks on the power play, couldn't uh, capitalize on them, and uh, they had a couple of uh, chances, and uh, they capitalized on theirs. And uh, sometimes that's the way it goes. But uh, for the most part, really pleased the way our effort was. But, uh, you know, I think at, at certain times, you know, maybe we'll get a goal here or there at that time. It could be a different story. It's not fair to boil a 60-minute game down to, to 15 seconds, but 15 seconds in Pavel Dorofiev hits the post. If, if that goes a quarter of an inch the other way, is that the kind of lift at the very start that could have gotten you guys going in a different direction? Yeah, no, it, it certainly does. Obviously, if you're going to play with the lead, it's going to make a difference uh, throughout the game. But, uh, uh, you know, like we, we had some other good looks uh, throughout that game also, too, also in the second period. And uh, especially at the end there on our power play, we had some really good looks on the power play. And we just unfortunately, we couldn't uh, get it past our goaltender this evening here. But uh, uh, I thought we did a, a enough good things tonight uh, you know, maybe possibly earn a point. But, uh, again, uh, that's a good team we're playing over. There and there's a reason why they're you know at the top of our division. Yuri Patera had another good game. It seems that in addition to being steady, we're also seeing a touch of the spectacular from him night in night out. Too, there's one or two ten bell stops. Is that something added from last season that he? comes up big maybe for the, the saves he's not supposed to make? Well, you're, you're a completely different young man compared to last year. Uh, we don't forget he came off a, a you know, pretty uh, serious injury he had last year. Took him almost all of last year to get healthy again. And you could just see that after a good summer of training, being completely healthy and, and fully in, in top condition like he is, uh, you, you know, we were expecting and hoping that he would come back this year and, and have this season that he is. And he's been he's been, uh, been really good for us while he's been here. And also he's been playing down to Fort Wayne, which is really important for young goaltender also too. So he, he puts the work in, and he's certainly listening to uh, our goaltender coach, uh, Fred Brathwaite, what he needs to improve on. And you can see it uh, uh, every game. He's been, uh, in my opinion, he's getting better and better every game we've seen him. Pavel Dorofiev has, I think it's four goals in five games against Ontario this season. Has he had a another level he goes to against some of the better teams in the division this season? Well, that, if that's the case, uh, that's a good sign because you always want to bring your best against the best teams uh, in your division here. But I, I think just Pav in general that he has a, uh, you know, a skill set that, uh, you know, I think majority of our club doesn't really have as far as the natural goal scoring ability uh, when he's around the net when the puck's on his stick he's got a chance to score all the time so um, you know that, that's certainly a good thing for a young player like at his age when you're playing against the best teams you, you bring out your best so uh, that's certainly a, a positive looking forward to and that was head coach Manny Viveros and, and again just to, to readdress two things that Manny said in there uh, again the Silver Knights played a good defensive game against a, one of the best teams in, in the American Hockey League and probably for some a, a favorite uh, to come out of the West for uh, the Calder Cup playoffs. You know, they played very well. They played 
responsible defensively, and a team that scores goals still found a way to score some goals. That that's going to happen. That, sometimes you're going to lose games like that. Uh, the power play for Ontario was two for three. They capitalized on a two minute, uh, four minute double minor for high sticking on Reed Duke. Silver Knights had a double minor of their own. They couldn't capitalize, and and that's kind of your difference right there. So there's certainly no need to, to, to rehash this over and over to the point that the Silver Knights played a good team, had a good defensive structure. It wasn't enough. That's going to happen some nights. But it does make you recognize, again, juxtaposing it against the prior meetings between these two teams where Ontario has scored often in each, uh, except for the New Year's Eve victory for the Silver Knights, that they uh, had a 4-1 win and were able to jump on Ontario in the first period, and they were able to dictate the rest of the game. It does just make you know that, all right, if the if you're going to eventually probably have to go through Ontario in the West, then at some point you're probably going to need to develop uh, or, or find some answers to, to generate some more scoring. Uh, now, that's a that's a fairly uh, innocuous statement, easier said than done. Oh, they'll just go score more goals if only it were that easy to, to coach a hockey team, to just say that and snap your fingers and have it be done. But we've, we've now seen games against Ontario where the Silver Knights have struggled a bit, and we know the outcome. Uh, and then last night where they played well defensively, largely. They, they did, and they kept a, a high-octane Ontario team in check. Still needs a little bit of extra, a little extra something. And for that, uh, the Silver Knights are either going to have to have a, a much higher shooting percentage on their grade-A chances when they arise or do something to put a little bit more heat on Matthew Valalta uh, in the Ontario zone and then just a little bit more consistent presence on the attack. And again, part of the reason we bring that up is because these two teams are going to meet again. They're going to meet again very soon as they'll play two games on March 4th and 5th at Toyota Arena. Uh, and then at the very end of the season, the last game of the year on April 30th at the DLC will be between Henderson and Ontario. And you have to imagine that game is certainly going to have implications for playoff seating. We're going to hop out, but when we come back, uh, we will talk to the Vice President of Content and Communications for the VGK, Mr. Nate Yule. We're also in the latter portion of the program going to get you caught up on what to expect this weekend between the Silver Knights and the San Diego Gulls. But Nate Yule on the other side of the break. Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today. This is the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle Brian McCormick. Silver Knights fans, be the first to experience a whole new era of Big West basketball. Gather your friends and pack the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson for the 2022 Hercules Tires Big West Basketball Championships presented by the Hawaiian Islands. 20 men's and women's teams take to the court March 8th through 12th, fighting to take the Big West to the next level. Order now at thedollarloancenter.com slash tickets. thedollarloancenter.com slash tickets. Or call 702-645-4259, 702-645-4259, and get your tickets for Big West Championship Basketball today. Well, the Dollar Loan Center just about set to get underway. The Big West Basketball Championships will be the first sporting event held there. And one man who's been very busy uh, with all the preparations to get set for the new digs is the Vice President of Communications and Content for the Vegas Golden Knights, Mr. Nate Ewell, and he joins us now. Nate, thanks for taking the time this afternoon. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks. And uh, so this is your first year in the VGK organization. You you didn't jump into a calm, docile, quiet season. Well, maybe there never is a year like that in Vegas, but uh, you've hit the ground running, and this is just one of several projects you've been working on. Yeah, and this is, this is probably the most fun, I have to admit. The, the opening of the Dollar Loan Center is going to be a – 
a really landmark event for our organization and for the city, especially the city of Henderson. But I, I really think for the whole area, it's a, a gorgeous place and, and something that Silver Knights fans really have something to look forward to. So it's going to the first sporting event will be the Big West uh, Basketball Championships. Then after that, we'll have Nighthawks football. And after that, we'll have uh, Silver Knights hockey in April. But the first event is is actually, I think, a week away now. And that's going to be an event for the city of Henderson, correct? Correct. The uh, the mayor is holding her state of the city address at Dollar Loan Center. And, of course, the city of Henderson was a great partner with the Vegas Golden Knights on building this building and, and finding the space for it and, and everything else. So uh, it's fitting that, that the mayor kicks it off. There will be a ribbon cutting Thursday morning and then uh, the first opportunity for anyone to, to really be there for, for an event. But then the first chance for the public is the, the Big West Basketball Championships. And, um, you know, I... I have to admit to not being a huge basketball fan, but uh, regardless, I'd be interested in getting in there and, and taking a look around because it is just that impressive of a facility. I think what's what's interesting, and fans may not realize, maybe they do or maybe they really have like one date really circled on their calendar. They're honed in on, on April the 2nd, for argument's sake, for the first Silver Knights game. But in a strange way, we're almost cutting the ribbon on this building multiple times there's there's the opener for the first athletic event with the basketball tournament but then there's going to be an opening day for the nighthawks an opening day for the silver knights you're almost you're preparing to throw the same party three or four times but also three or four different ways that's exactly true in fact uh, we were talking the other day with the uh the architecture firm which is uh perkins and will that worked on it and uh and they said okay well when do we send out a press release that that we created this building because it seems like it opens four times and we said yeah that's that's it's pretty much a month-long celebration so anytime in that month you're welcome to marty gras got nothing on us we're talking to nate ewell the vice president of uh, communications and content for the vegas golden knights so now i think one of the things i've been surprised too and, and of course for our fans listening they don't get to visit the new arena every other week to see the progress but i've been able to stop by a few times we marveled at how quickly the structure went up and that was the most arduous task of course building the building but once the bones are up you need to to flesh it out uh and it's been amazing from week to week from the outside landscaping now to the in the interior design how quickly the progress has been uh as again opening day is, is rapidly approaching now there there's some final uh eyes to dot and t's to cross that's all happening now but th- but there's a lot happening in that building day to day and to think you know, maybe it was a month ago that, that you and Ashley Vice did the tour for Nightlife, and, and it looked like a beautiful building then. But you and I were over there this morning, and when you look around at the, the graphics on the walls, and, yeah. and really, it, it's come alive. It's a place that is, uh, you know, we're using this modern medieval nomenclature, so everything has a, a medieval name, like the hoist instead of the elevators. Well, now it actually looks like a castle, too. So, uh, even though it's the building looked beautiful a month ago when you guys walked through it and, and shared that with the uh, the TV audience. It it almost has transformed since then to, to something entirely different. We'll talk about the the fan amenities as well because of course fans are interested. But I'm also wor- uh, wondering from your perspective. Again, you handle the the public relations and and broadcast elements of this for a building this size, which is going to seat six thousand for hockey. One of the things that I've been most impressed with what I've been told about the plans 
is how user-friendly it's going to be from a, a media perspective. A, a television crew who wants to come in and do a, a game from the Dollar Loan Center, they're going to have an easier time than they would in a lot of other facilities of similar size. Absolutely. Everything's been thought out, and, and I'm certainly not taking any credit for that. It's been uh, people <laughs> much smarter and, and more, uh, more in-depth planning than I could provide. Uh, but I, I actually asked the other day, you know, what, what does it take when an ESPN comes to, to televise the Big West Basketball Championship? And they said, well, they basically back the truck in, plug it in, and they're ready to go. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just that simple. We love easy. And in, in that same vein, something I've found interesting is what this building does. We talk about what the Dollar Loan Center is going to be for the people of Henderson and, and for Silver Knights fans and you know, within the footprint of that parking lot and arena. But if you look at an event like we had just a couple of weeks ago with the NHL All-Star Game, there are some events that these larger productions put on that require a, a larger footprint, more of a, of a metro area than just a, a single location. And I think of, and I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, but the you know World Cup of Hockey, they need a, an A venue and a B venue. You know, the, the Frozen Four looks for satellite venues all over the country. The point being is having another sheet of ice, but in a in a, a top quality arena venue for broadcast and and for you know public use. It, it makes Vegas a, a much more attractive uh, city for for a lot of hockey elements, not just the games we can hold in that one arena for the Silver Knights. It really does. I mean, certainly Vegas itself is an attractive venue for or an attractive city for a lot of those events, but. You couldn't host, for example, a, a World Junior Championship here because there wasn't that secondary venue. Now there is, and and it's state of the art. It's it's ready to go in terms of like we said, broadcasts and um, facilities, amenities underneath in terms of locker rooms and things like that. Uh, I think this really is going to open up a lot of opportunities for different events to come through, uh, different sized concerts and and comedy shows and things like that that maybe don't fit at a place on the strip now they can come somewhere a little bit more family family friendly environment and um, certainly convenient to the highway right off the highway there it's, it's really uh, a great setup talking to nate yule the vice president of communications and content for the vegas golden knights i i'm obviously uh i have the opportunity to talk to the hockey personnel on a day-to-day -day basis i know that they're excited about the new venue you probably spend more time talking to the the football personnel than i do and mike davis has worked uh, in several capacities in the indoor football league for, for years. What feedback are you getting back from, from the Nighthawks staff on uh, what they expect to get out of the DLC? Mike is fired up, and I, I do get the sense Mike's a pretty easy guy to fire up. He's, he's pretty entertaining <laughs> uh, and a, a football coach, so the intensity is always right under the surface. But, uh, you know, they had a chance to, uh, to unveil the turf last week, and he said, you know, this is a field that we're going to be excited to defend. It, it looks sharp it's visually uh, just pops off the uh, off the ice um, as as it is and the uh, the gold logo at, at midfield is really uh, impressive I, th I think it's going to be you know we've, we've said one of if not the best arena in the AHL I've got to think it's, it's right there in terms of the IFL as well we're with Nate Yule, the Vice President of Communications for the VGK. And while we have Nate Yule, we've asked a lot of DLC questions. We might as well ask some, some Nate Yule questions as well. You have worked in the National Hockey League before coming to Vegas. You worked in communications with the uh, Washington Capitals in the past. You've also worked in college hockey as well. But, you know, everyone always talks about, well, the 
Vegas has become a hockey market. It's a booming hockey market. Of course, we know that that's true, but you actually have to handle all those booming hockey market requests. I wonder what it's like working PR from a hockey element in uh, in Vegas versus some of your past experiences. It, it's really impressive in terms of uh, just the the breadth of offerings. You know, to, to come into a market like this that five years ago didn't have an NHL team, and now it has an NHL and an AHL team. You know, Washington still doesn't have minor league hockey in, in the area. In fact, they don't have uh, necessarily affordable hockey. You know, the NHL is, is uh, fairly limiting once you look at those price tags for uh, for a family of four. You know, you're talking about a pretty rare trip. So I think the benefit of having an AHL team right in your market is, is tremendous. It really gives people an entry point that, uh, that they don't have in a market that doesn't have that many offerings. And, and then... Um, I'm able to see too. Uh, I'm also a hockey parent, so I can see the the growth of youth hockey, and uh, and the success of youth hockey here. I have a 14 year old that uh, was playing travel hockey in Massachusetts, came out here and couldn't make the travel team. So uh, he's still enjoying hockey and playing in the house league, which is great, a great offering. Uh, but it speaks, I think, to the uh, the talent level that's out here and and has been able to grow in a pretty short amount of time. And also good to know that there's no nepotism in the local hockey scene, clearly. <laughs> I would have thought you had a string or two you could have pulled there. <laughs> no, no, I, I am uh, just a, uh, a passive observer when it comes to my kids' hockey experience. Well, clearly you're at the rink all the time. I, I, I wonder, you know, we're luckily in a, in a better COVID position than we're in now. Uh, and last year was, was extremely different than, than this year. But nonetheless, you know, you have had to do this job in, a, in somewhat of a COVID setting. Um, how, how challenging has that been for, for all PR people in the National Hockey League of trying to still give fans and media exposure to the players that they, that they need and that they want, but doing it in a way that's, that's safe for the players? It's been a little bit of a, of a choreographed dance for everyone around the league over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think everybody in sports is, is seeing this, and you're seeing the, the value of that one-on-one FaceTime that you can't get in a – certainly can't get in a zoom environment and even now we're at a, a socially distant players at podiums and and speaking in in sort of a press conference setting that's not typical as you know brian from from a typical post-practice setting where you might have a chance to to sit down next to a a player that otherwise isn't a star but you know you can get to know them a little better and tell their story a little better i i think it's really difficult for the media i can speak for myself it's difficult to get to know these guys on a on more than a superficial level, as a uh, as a PR person coming in, so that does trickle down. You know, we we need the media to tell these stories to our fans, and we need our, our fans to be able to get to know these guys because they are so special. Um, I'm looking forward to the day that we can can go back to having regular locker room access and opportunities for those conversations. And sometimes when you're you're either helping coordinate those stories with the media, it's a story that they want to tell. And sometimes with what the Golden Knights do internally, it's it's stories that the organization is telling themselves. I wonder if there's a favorite story uh, that you've been able to help coordinate this year in your first season in Vegas. Oh boy! Um, on the spot, sorry. On the on the <laughs> spot. Uh, I mean, the All Star Weekend gave a lot of opportunity, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and I think that was probably probably be what I would default to thinking about Jonathan Marshall so on the on the ice skills competition with this kid and uh, and the NHL had a, a mic on him to capture some of those interactions and uh, the one that made me laugh is uh, at one point 
one of Marchie's sons says, uh, so what do I do now? And Marchie says, you sit here and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> You're having the time of your life here. And, and he obviously was too, having his kids on the ice with us. But um, sometimes you just got to sit back and bask in it. Nate Ewell, the Vice President of Communications and Content for the Vegas Gold Knights. Before we let you go, we, we've talked a lot of uh, DLC. Fans are going to start. Uh, I know they're, they're going to move the season ticket members from the Orleans to whatever is a, you know, a corresponding spot in, in the Dollar Loan Center. Um, but fans soon will have an opportunity to go in and buy tickets for themselves. You've been around the building. Where would you sit if you were them? What, what, what uh, section would you recommend? I'm going to get the number wrong, but I'm a big believer of, of high in the corners. And, and high in the corners here at the Dollar Loan Center isn't very high. No, it's You're not. Talking about. <laughs> it, it, it is a great view. Um, but I always think that the corners gives you great access or, or great eyes on breakouts and power plays and, and just the way the game unfolds. And uh, that's what I would recommend. You, I, I don't know how many rows up you are at the top of the of the lower bowl. It's not many. Um, it, it's probably equivalent to uh, the middle of the lower bowl at T-Mobile Arena, and uh, and that's a great seat. Well, you heard it, folks. When the when the uh, the gates open, race for the upper corners. That's where you want to be. Nate Ewell, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the uh, perspective, and uh, well, I'd say we'll see you at the DLC soon. We're probably going to see you there every day over the next month, so we look forward to it. Sounds good to me. Thanks, Brian. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Nate. That is Nate Ewell, the Vice President of Communications and Content for the Vegas Golden Knights. His first year with the Golden Knights, and uh, I tell you, a great uh, a great Twitter follow as well uh, for those of you who are on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Nate at uh, at Nate Ewell. Very very easy to find him at N A T E E W E L L. And of course, he's always pumping out stuff that is VGK relevant, fun stats and uh, fun facts, but also uh, just a, a great hockey guy across the board, and uh, still has his college roots as well so especially last week during the bean pot some good uh, stuff coming from nate as well uh definitely a good guy to have on your radar for following uh vgk news and of course now hsk and dlc and any other abbreviations you want to come up with uh jared have you had a chance to see the new dollar loan center yet i have not is it because i haven't invited you is that why pretty much what a jerk well we're, we're gonna get you there well let me let me ask you then uh, of the upcoming events, which would you be most interested in seeing? Would it be the uh, the basketball tournament, the Big West basketball tournament? Would it be the Nighthawks football opener? Would it be the Silver Knights hockey opener, which is on April 2nd? That's the last of the opening days. Or are you a politics nut and really want to go to the state of the city address? I mean, for, I mean, no offense to the politics. I'm, I'm good there. Uh, probably the HSK game. That's, at least then I can annoy you while you're trying to do your job. Well, you you talk in my ear now as I'm talking to myself. Would it be any different? Eh. But face I mean, to face. It's more personable. That's a good point. And also, I'll probably have been drinking. <laughs> which, you're, which you're not doing now. Uh, no, no. They don't let me do that anymore. All right. Well, again, I, I might have stopped you from getting to the DLC, but I'm not stopping you from doing anything else. So I want you to be relaxed on the other side of the glass to get through this program. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Anything for you, Jared. The opening of the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson is less than a month away. Less than, Again, if we're talking about the uh, state of the city, we're just about a week away. And the arena has a brand new website where you can follow all the things that we just discussed with Nate Ewell. Visit thedollarloancenter.com, thedollarloancenter.com. 
for upcoming events, seating charts, arena policies, and much more, including your chance to purchase tickets for the Big West Basketball Championships, Nighthawks football, and Silver Knights hockey. I don't know. I, I can't. I, I doubt that there are tickets sold for the state of the city address. That I actually don't know. That seems like an invite-only kind of thing. But uh, if it's if it's available, it'll be on thedollarloancenter.com. Thedollarloancenter.com. Hop on your computers and find out everything you want to know about the brand new DLC. We'll hop out when we come back. We'll cover this upcoming weekend with the San Diego Gulls and. Talk a little bit about, uh, well, maybe talk a little bit of NHL trade deadline. We're approaching, and we're starting to get an idea of who some of the targets are going to be. So we'll hack that up on the other side of the break. Brian McCormick here with you on HSK Today on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. A man become preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Brian McCormick. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here, you there, Jared Justice on the other side of the glass. Big thank you to Nate Ewell, the Vice President of Communications and Content for the VGK, talking a little bit of Dollar Loan Center with us, as well as his own personal experiences as he is leading the communications department in his first year with the Golden Knights. And uh, I'll tell you what, what a, what a year to, to hop into that job, right? There's the, the Arena Construction Project. There's the All-Star Game. There's the Jack Eichel trade. Not exactly a slow-moving news week uh, or season for uh, for Nate Yule. And, of course, uh, Nate Yule got here after the uh, the Marc-Andre Fleury departure during the summer, but it's not like that wasn't still uh, a point of interest when the season began. So very kind of Nate to hop on and t- uh, chat with us. Uh, Silver Knights fans, there's only five more games at the Orleans Arena, and uh, I know there are plenty of fans in our fan base who are excited about the move to the Dollar Loan Center, but at the same time, there are fans who've been watching hockey at the Orleans for a very long time, who were fans of the uh, Vegas Wranglers, uh, waited a long time for hockey to come back, and that was part of the the fun of the return of minor league hockey to Vegas, was that there was going to be this two-season stint at the Orleans Arena that gave that little bit of uh, a nod to nostalgia for fans who had been here in the past as season ticket holders for some great Wranglers teams and some teams that had some uh, some players that fans still enjoy, like Adam Cracknell and Mike McKenna and Derek Anglin. And this was an opportunity for that, uh, that itch to be scratched. But that tenure is coming to an end. So five more games at the Orleans for the Silver Knights, and that means five more games for you to bring all your friends, every single person you know and have ever met before, to the Orleans Arena to enjoy watching hockey with you. Single-game luxury suite packages for four more guests and group ticketing options are available now for all remaining games at the Orleans. Visit HendersonSilverKnights.com for more information. HendersonSilverKnights.com. Silver Knights welcome the San Diego Gulls for a pair of games at the Orleans this weekend, and uh, as we discussed, it's uh, it's going to be a, a decent amount of San Diego on the schedule the rest of the way, and part of the uh, the schedule impacted by the postponements uh, due to COVID earlier this season. The Silver Knights and San Diego Gulls, and this might shock some of you, for we've played 42 games now this season, 42, that's correct. Silver Knights and the San Diego Gulls have met only one time. And that was way back on November the 10th, uh, a game that the Silver Knights lost at Pachanga Arena 6-3. That was a game where they didn't really have a very sharp start. 
Uh, and, of course, early in the season, uh, no team knows exactly what they are yet, but that was a San Diego team that was at the bottom of the standings at the time. Uh, and since then, the Gulls have not really improved all that much. They sit seventh in the Pacific Division standings, 16-22-2, uh, 34 points. They are 15 points back of the Silver Knights in the standings. But the Silver Knights, uh, of course, all points are important, but uh, even more so now as the jockeying and jostling in the Pacific Division continues, the Silver Knights, after last night's defeat to Ontario, find themselves looking up in the standings to both Bakersfield and Colorado in addition to Ontario and Stockton. That's still a, a tight dance in the middle of the Pacific, but the Abbotsford Canucks are working their way up behind the Silver Knights as well. Right now, the Abbotsford Canucks are three points back of Henderson, and the Canucks have a game in hand. So while it seems unlikely, not to, to make any sweeping remarks, but it seems unlikely that the Silver Knights uh, would be caught by San Diego just with 15 points separating them and uh, 26 games left on the schedule. Nonetheless, that final spot the San Diego Gulls occupy in the playoff picture right now, and the Gulls, frankly, are, are kind of... Uh, neck and neck with Tucson. San Jose's set a little bit further back uh, at the bottom. But the top seven teams in the Pacific will make the playoffs. Silver Knights sit fifth, right behind Colorado, but Abbotsford right behind them, and then San Diego, the distant uh, seventh. But a lot of hockey against San Diego, and for the Silver Knights, important for them to, to keep doing what they're doing, which is not letting things snowball in the wrong direction. They have uh, came off a 3-3 three and three six-game road trip, uh, they need to bounce back from last night's defeat against a San Diego team that right now is struggling. They've only won three in their last ten, uh, and not exactly the dynamic offensive team that we saw a year ago when they did have at any given point moving in out of the lineup Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale. Uh, it was certainly a team that had some, some young pop, which is uh, what's making the Anaheim Ducks this year flirt with potential playoff positioning this year. Braden Tracy, the rookie, leads the goals in scoring with 26 points in 34 games. Uh, but the the likes of Jacob Perot, who got off to a great start, the first-round pick for the Ducks, got off to a great start and then really just uh, has fallen off significantly over the course of the last month. Uh, so there, there's not a lot of consistent heavy scoring from the, this goals team, and some of the players who would probably provide that have been uh, a little bit impacted by their their opportunity to to play a major role in San Diego because they've been hopping back and forth to uh, to Anaheim. Vinny Letary, a great example of that. And Vinny Letary is in San Diego all year. He's probably a point per game player, but because he's been up and down, he's only played 19 games. That's something that the the Gulls have been missing. Two players that Silver Knights fans will remember and remember very well: Daniel Regan, who is putting up 20 points in 32 games, having a, a good season, but. Uh, last year he was on pace to have his best AHL season ever, so O'Regan playing a little bit down from l last year's pace. Lucas Elvinus, who has been with the uh, San Diego Gulls since the middle of January when he left the Golden Knights organization and was uh, signed by the Anaheim Ducks organization, the Golden Knights and uh, Lucas Elvinus uh, agreeing to terminate his contract. Uh, he joins Anaheim, and he has 12 points in 16 games. He's been on a pretty decent run since joining the San Diego Gulls, so... Two, team, uh, two players that the Silver Knights fans will remember well are also two players that uh, certainly the Silver Knights will have to have their eye on as they are two of the players driving the offense for a San Diego team that is otherwise struggling. Well, we said that we were going to try to talk a little bit of uh, trade deadline, but we ran out of time. And I keep saying that's why, uh, Jared, this show needs to be at least four hours 
at least four hours, especially if I'm going to be mostly talking to myself. There's no way that one hour will do, but that'll, that will take that up with the board later. But while we have time, we will just uh, discuss, we'll cover the fact that the AHL made an announcement today. Uh, Scott Housen, the president and CEO of the American Hockey League, announced that the Laval Rocket will host the 2023 AHL All-Star Classic next season. They were supposed to do it each of the last two seasons, including this year. Both of them canceled due to COVID. They will get their chance to host it next year. So that's good news for the city of Laval. And also, I think, interesting for uh, a province that has had so much COVID trouble and such strict COVID regulations, the AHL choosing to keep the game there. Maybe they assume uh, much, much brighter days ahead in the COVID battle. They seem to think next year this game will happen. So next year's All-Star game for the AHL in Laval, something to keep an eye out for. Silver Knights will play the San Diego Gulls twice this weekend, 7 o'clock on Friday, 3 o'clock on Saturday. That 3 p.m. Saturday game will be televised on MyLVTV. Darren Millard will hop in the booth with me. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks to Nate Yule. This is HSK Today. We'll see you next week on the Silver Knights Radio Network.